0: Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us for another exciting episode of Mac and Joe Talk on a Podcast. I am Mac. I am joined by, of
1: course, Joe. Say hello, Joe. Hi, everyone. Thanks for being here, as always. Yeah. Thanks for having me, too, buddy. No, we had uh, we have a good show today. We got a
0: lot of good stuff to go over. We got um, some engagement from you guys. Some of you guys are asking questions. Um, we did see... I saw a couple films um, this past weekend. Joe saw a film he'd been looking forward to for a long time. You guys may be surprised to hear his review. I may be surprised to hear his review. Um, and, yeah, I think we should just kind of just get into it, Joe.
1: Do you have any box office numbers? Um,
0: numbers? Yeah, I'll do it when we do the reviews, box office and reviews when we get there. Um, but it was a massive weekend in the box office. Mm-hmm. Um. Which was quite an encouraging uh, sight to see. Mm-hmm. Um, just real quick, kind of news and notes. Netflix subscribers have surged post crackdown. Again, the crackdown that we're talking about is the sharing passwords crackdown, right? Netflix um, at one point was, I don't want to say all about sharing passwords, but they even tweeted, you know, before you know, sharing your password is love or something like that. Like it was kind of a big thing, um, but then. Netflix has kind of opened up to basically every market in the world now. And so how do you get new customers? if there's not new markets, well you have to get new customers by in the markets you already have. So a lot of people obviously complain because they you know, would rather just share passwords or have to pay. Mm-hmm. Um, it appears so far to have worked at least in a little bit, 5.9 new million new subscribers. Again, this is globally, this is not just in one market. Um, we'll continue to kind of monitor. They have, they have something at like 240 million subscribers worldwide. So they are still king uh, of streaming right now. They're king mm-hmm. and queen of streaming right now. Um, but yeah, uh, interesting to see kind of what happened, yeah. what's happening with that. This, this I think, is the bigger story um, kind of going forward. And this is a story that, that we will monitor closely here. Warner Brothers considers delaying Dune 2, Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom, and Wonka. Uh, which is basically their three biggest remaining films this year, uh, to 2024. They have also officially delayed Luca Guadagino's Challengers, which stars Zendaya, um, moved from 2023 to 2024. Challengers was set to open the Venice Film Festival in August. Um, but again, part of SAG, um, the Screen Actors Guild, while they're on strike, while they're negotiating, so part of being a SAG actor is part of your contract is promoting the film. And kind of doing these things. And if you, you really can't have a press tour, obviously, without the actors, right? And so you need you need actors out there. You need them out there selling their film. So, you know, just go to challenge your starring And Dea, I'm not saying she's one of the best actresses out there in the world, but she's a known name. She's a known person. Um, she needs to be out there selling your movie. Imagine selling Dune. She's, with, she's the headliner In this movie. Yeah, right. I mean, in June, in June too, you have Timothy Chalamet and Dea again, mm-hmm. um, Austin Butler, three up-and-coming big names. Right, they're not out there selling their movie. You know, it's it's a hard thing to do. We're hearing reports that Disney is is considering pulling four films to 2024. Um, some of the films that are coming out like in the next couple of weeks or so, like uh, Haunted Mansion, Blue Beetle, Ninja Turtles, those films I've already they already did a little bit of press. And again, those tickets are already on sale. So I think we're kind of, I don't want to say stuck with those, uh, but those films are, are, they're going to come out. But everything kind of, anything basically September onward at this point, I I don't know. Um, That's, you know, there are reports that negotiations could take weeks and there are negotiations, you know, someone came out today. Um, Courtney B. Vance, who's the, the president of the Screen Actors Guild, um, his representative said, you no know, negotiations could take all the way until January and February of next year. Um, so imagine, right, and again, we're just getting this type of information. Imagine basically all of the premier films from September and onwards, which would basically be Oscar-type films, plus some blockbusters and that, basically being pulled because, you know, again, Killers of the Flower Moon. You're not going to do a press tour without Leonardo DiCaprio, right? He has to be out there promoting the film. Um, Napoleon and Joker, 2, right? Joaquin Phoenix—he has to be out there promoting the film, right? That's what's going to draw people into it, right? So, um, I mean, I don't want to say scary stuff, but it, but it's it's a, it's a different time, it's a different world um, out there, and and you know, Screen Actors Guild have said they're they're going to be strong. Um, the Rock, Dwayne Johnson, um, gave us sev- gave us seven figure donation, which probably means a million dollars to the Screen Actors Guild Relief Fund. A lot of what you would call 1% actors, right? your top headliners. Robert Downey Jr. made an sizable contribution, made it to the Screen Actors Guild Relief Fund. So again, this is going to be mostly for actors that are on the picket lines but actors that are not necessarily making lots of money. Um, they can get relief from this fund, so that way they can basically hold the line and stuff like that. Um, we'll see what actually happens. But um, what I thought was going to be really a, really, a really, really, really exciting fall Lots of films I'm interested in seeing. Um, who knows what's gonna happen. Um, anything you wanna add and it might be disappointing to not get these movies, but understandable I guess to a certain extent about, you know, strike it's it's happening, right? The strikes already
1: happening. So I I'm conflicted about the news. Um, I wasn't really sure why they were Postponing it. My initial intuition was thinking they were postponing it because they're trying to space movies out so that way they can, you know, I was thinking that Warner Brothers was delaying movies because they have not been having much success of late. So I thought that was where this news and notes was going. Mm -hmm. Um, but you're saying that it's more due to the fact that they can't come out and do press tours with these actors. Right, yeah, that's it. And, um, that's, that's the key. and I would say that Warner Brothers tends to be on, no, I don't want to say the cutting edge, but they, they definitely are on, they are the first, they were the first to say back during COVID that all the movies would be streaming on their service. Yeah. So they're kind of the first out of the gate to kind of do a lot of these different, uh, you know, marketing strategies to try to help their bottom line. So it doesn't really support. So I'm just, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking in terms of, yeah, Warner Brothers have done this before. Um, I don't know. I mean, again, and I, because I, yeah, I really don't know. I'm assuming based on the fact that that is their reason for potentially delaying the release of the films, that it does make an impact not having this press tour, but I can't honestly say as a fan of movies that I've ever given a care about any kind of press tour. Um, <gasps> there is no press tour that's going to influence me to see a film. Right, It's the trailer and that it, and that's it. Mm. So, I, for me, as, a, as an everyday movie person, this seems like a strange reason to delay films. But again, I'm sure it being, you know, the whole strike happening. There's a lot. There's a lot more nuts and bolts going into movie, movie studios making their money and such. Right, but as a fan, I I could care less about some press tour, about whatever, some you know having Leonardo DiCaprio promote flowers. I was going to see it or not see it anyway. That's not going to sell me on the movie. So I don't feel like it really. For most fans, I could be wrong, but most fans, I would say, don't care about some press tour. I don't think it really matters. Like I, I I don't know. Do you? I'll push back on that. Much is my opinion. Do you think? Do you think personally? having a press tour is going to sell you on the film sell me personally or yes. sell general audience no i'm people who are not let's say me personally in, in, no people who are not the critics people who okay fine if you're going to push back on it, that's fine but can you give me a give me an example of somebody who might care that is just an everyday fan i think a lot of people that went to
0: barbenheimer I think the press Barbenheimer? tour Barbenheimer? Like Barbie and Oppenheimer this past weekend. Like there was Barbie had a huge press tour. It was a huge press release. Oppenheimer had a huge press tour, huge press release. Okay. They were out and about. Barbie did lots of press things. They did the whole they built an entire Barbie house basically in Malibu. People came, it was an attraction. It got people excited for the movie. Again, these stars go out, they talk to people, they have premieres, they have red carpets. Right, it's a big thing to sell the film. They have they have advanced screenings. Is it always in LA? Uh I, I don't think so. I mean worldwide tours, right? I mean they, they sell these movies worldwide for no, no 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 you're
1: not understanding what I'm saying. Do they always have the 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 press tour meet and greet where they have special premieres where you're talking about actors interacting with people and such? I, I think Red it carpets, probably depends on that's in LA. Well, I mean they open
0: the movie worldwide. True. Right? They like will you know, but Oppenheimer will have a UK release. They had a LA release. They had a New York release. So they they, have, they do multiple. So the movies nights. do
1: not open at the same date around the world. Most of the time they do. So then they can't be in every place at once. I don't they're, not, they're not. they well, not. yeah, for two weeks.
0: For two like. weeks out, Oppenheimer will open the movie. Right. They they'll have they had the UK press tour two weeks ago. Right. Okay. So they they had a UK opening. <laughs> okay. Okay. Right. And again, it's I it's it's to, get, it's to so get it's to get on. Isn't, it's to get on talk shows. I mean, talk shows not happening right now. But it's to get on talk shows. It's to create YouTube videos. It's to do kind of all these things that engage people, right? Hey, you know, Barbie's happening. Oppenheimer's happening. This is a cultural type of event. We have to go see it, right? Imagine doing an Avengers press tour when you're doing an Avengers movie without the Avengers, right? What do you talk about? How do you get excited? Yes, you're right. The trailer will get you going,
1: right?
0: But so, yes, I, I for me... I'm, I'm happy to see a trailer and the movie that interests me. I think you and I are on the same boat about how we feel about it. But I think a lot of people are swayed oh, by it. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I mean, if they weren't, I don't think they'd be doing this.
1: I just don't know that the everyday fangoer cares about a press tour. That seems like it's more like for the... for the critics and for people who perhaps are in the area. Or people who have special connections that they can go to these red carpet things that they mm. know somebody. Right, but these red carpet, carpet moments are spread I out don't, worldwide. I don't – but they're again, they're, they're not going to go to Timbuktu and, and really – so don't yes, – yes, they're spread okay. out. But they're not going to some one thousand 1,000 population right. city. They're sure. going to big places where there's money, where people with money are going to go. There's not gonna be like everyday people going or if they do, it's probably less likely they're not gonna be a ton of those people. It's gonna right, be yeah, more, they're not selling. It's gonna be more the now, elites like. that are going to kind of show off and Yeah, absolutely. And, and, they're getting and press and, 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 and they're getting pressed and the to go. Pop, they're getting in,
0: Yeah, hundred percent. That, that, that has nothing. That's it. That's they sell magazines. They okay. get influencers okay. to go. They get people to take their picture. All right. Look at what Margot Robbie was wearing at the Barbie. No plate. I I right? don't All these I things. don't, I don't.
1: Right. Again, you don't okay. care, and that's fine. No, I'm saying you're saying look at what Robbie. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't Right, because you don't pay attention to that stuff, and
0: okay. that's okay. Alright. Right. You don't need that to sell a movie. Right, but a lot of people will see stuff like that. Oh, the Barbie movie set. Right. You you and I are in okay. touch with what movies are happening because we do a podcast. Because I go to the movies every week. Most people aren't like that. Okay. Most people are unaware of what movies are opening up. Right? And so they see things that, you know, there's a quote or there's a viral moment or, or whatever. There's funny questions that pop up on TikTok or YouTube or a Facebook reel. And it, they package it and they merchandise it and they sell it, right? That's how people become aware of stuff, right? They put stuff on billboards. They whatever, that right? All nothing,
1: these has nothing to do with the actors being there. Okay. They I can, mean like a press can, tour in general. Put, they can put a billboard anywhere. I okay. I'm focusing, I'm focusing just on the press tour. I'm not saying that. Sure. And again, this we're, we we can agree to disagree. I just see a difference between a press tour or I view it as mostly people with money, people with connections, the elitist type group, the Hollywood people as being a part of the press tour. I don't view it as everyday Joe Schmoe's going to those press releases. Or caring about those press releases, and and I disagree that people won't know when movies come out because they're watching TV. They see trailers coming out. They have them at 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 at, at specific spots, Super Bowl or during, op, you know important episodes of of TV shows. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I just view the press releases as being something separate from mm-hmm. the normal everyday person. Okay. I don't see that, but I could be wrong. But I don't see that as swaying, let's say, a lot of multitude of fans mm-hmm. to go see the movie.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's just me. so. Kay. But we can agree to disagree,
0: right? I mean, we'll see what happens. Right? I mean, if they keep canceling films or delaying films until they can do press tours, there has to be a reason behind that, possibly. But who knows? Uh, box office: *Barbenheimer*, *Barbie and Oppenheimer*. This was. A massive win, a massive win for movie theaters. It's a massive win for all movies in general, but really two movie studios. Again, I think the competition between the two films helped the films. Um, I think for the most part, it was jovial, right? There wasn't really much negative connotation about either film, except really, again, a, a vocal minority of people. Um, but again, I think for the most part, it was mostly positive all around, Um this was uh, the us box office in total was over 300 million again that's the entire box office domestically it's only the fourth time ever to dom- the domestic mar- marketplace exceeded 300 million for the weekend um again that's mo- that's all the films together but that's a huge win um, uh, barbie had 162 million dollars domestically it added another 193 overseas for 356 worldwide Oppenheimer domestically had $80.5 million domestically and another $95.5 million overseas for $176 worldwide. Both of these films have almost made, they've made their money back at this point. So everything from this point on, from second weekend going forward, it's all gravy for them. And again, these films we'll talk about in a minute. They're both award contender type films. So these films could play for a long time. Um, Again, Oppenheimer is going to be on IMAX screens for at least the next two weeks. Right again. A lot of the money that Oppenheimer made was on premium IMAX screens. Um, Again, if no films are coming out or not bigger films are coming out, theaters could keep obviously keep Oppenheimer on IMAX screens going forward. Um, Barbie, it's the largest domestic opening of twenty twenty three. Again, I don't, I don't, I don't know if it has the staying power of like a Super Mario Brothers to overtake it. Again, Super Mario Brothers is the number one film of twenty twenty three. I don't know if it has the legs to, to overtake. But again, if new movies do not come out and Barbie is stuck in theaters, not stuck in theaters but still playing, then I think there's a chance. But I think, you know, really Super Mario Bros. was a four-quadrant film in terms of it appealed to everybody. Again, a lot of people will, will refuse to see Barbie um, so that they just won't go. So they're not going to get the entire quadrant of audience. Um, it is the highest opening film for directed by a woman of all time, Greta Gerwig. Uh, Oppenheimer, it's Nolan's third highest grossing opening weekend ever. Um, It's the highest grossing on IMAX screens that he's ever had um, for him. AMC set a new post-COVID record for global admissions revenue with more than $7.8 million moviegoers worldwide. Um, Saturday was the busiest day of their year post-COVID and the fifth highest single U.S. admissions ticket revenue um, in its 103-year history. Um, I mentioned this to Joe when we were at the theater. When we were walking out, even when we were walking in, it was really busy, really packed. But when we left the theater Saturday, Friday night, excuse me, it was busy. And it was, it reminded me of a kind of bygone time when movie theaters really were the place to go, right? And it was families and it was you know groups of guys and groups of girls and and it was just all it was a whole bunch of eclectic group of of groups going to see these movies and it just felt busy right it was a long line for popcorn it was a long line to get imagine how much money amc theaters made on popcorn and drinks and that's amazing right for a business that's struggling that's amazing um so yeah it was a lot of numbers it's a lot of stuff um I, as someone who loves movies, as someone who loves going to the theatrical experience and and realizing that, you know, slowly but surely, we've been kind of losing that theatrical experience, right? More and more movies are going to streaming, you know, there's less and less of an appetite for films. Um, Really, these two films, which, yes, one's a biopic, one is made on a a toy IP, if you want to call it that, um, which is true, is a toy IP. But really kind of two unique visions and two unique ideas. Not a franchise per se. We'll see what happens with Barbie going forward. But non-franchise films really kind of carry this weekend. Um, and is this a lesson for Hollywood? I, I have no idea going forward. Or is Hollywood going to put its head in the sand and keep going IPs? Who has who has any idea? But that's all the boxed office stuff. I have Joe. Are you surprised by any of those numbers? Are you surprised by anything? Or do you want to just keep going forward?
1: No, uh, I know you saw Barbie and I'm... Anxious. You said you enjoyed it, and I'm anxious to hear uh, why you liked it. Yeah, I
0: saw Barbie first. I did not go, um, I did not do the, the full day. Um, apparently, AMC reported that over 200,000 people saw Barbie and Oppenheimer in the same day, um, someday during that weekend. Um, I, I, I couldn't do it. <laughs> it was a lot. It's, it would have been like five hours in the cinema. Um I will say Barbie is one of the smarter films I've ever seen um, in terms of its dialogue, in terms of its overall structure. Um, you really, I really didn't know what to expect. I didn't really know what to do. Um, I thought it had positive messages um, throughout the film for everybody. There was nothing negative about the film. Um, like in terms of like kind of their view, anyone's viewpoint on the world um, it it certainly does have a... It leans a feminist viewpoint, right? And that happens when you have a female writer, a female director, right? That's the viewpoint that you have. Um, but it does give equal time on screen to men and women, right? The Barbies get equal time as much as the Kens get equal time. Um, Ryan Gosling, to me, was the star of the film. He outshines everybody on screen. And part of that is because it's an over-the-top performance and it's somewhat of a character and stuff like that, but he was so good... Um, you know We're going to talk about Oscar chances in a minute, but again, for me, that's a lock in terms of supporting actor. Margot Robbie is good, right? She's very good. Margot Robbie's a very good actress, but the character she is playing is... It's not just Barbie. Her character is stereotypical Barbie. That's the name of the character. So she is playing a stereotype. So she is, for lack of a better phrase, she's in a box in terms of what she, how she views the world and how she sees the world. Again... There is a fantasy world called Barbie Land, and there is the real world where they go and visit. Again, both are heightened versions of themselves, and that's acknowledged in the film, right? It is not, it is not one is better than the other, or this is how the world should be, or this is how the world should be. Um, there are problems in both worlds, and that's the idea, right? In Barbie world, it's, it's ruled by, not ruled by, but women have all the power, they have all these things. And there's an acknowledgement that, hey, there's all these great guys in Ken's and they have great ideas. They're good people. They should be more involved. Right. It's it's not it is not what bothered me, I think, about what I saw in the discourse, probably from most people that didn't see it was that it was a men bashing film. And I didn't see that. Now, if you saw it and that's what you took from it, then maybe you and I just have a different viewpoint and that's okay. Um, But I didn't see that at all. Um, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed the surprises at the end. Again, there's a scene, there's a musical number that happens. Ryan Gosling does the musical number. Um, it's so funny, so good. Um, again, uh, this, this will make my top 10 probably towards the bottom. Right, There's some films that I know I like above it. I know I like Oppenheimer more, Mission Impossible, Air. Some of these films that I've already seen, I know I like those films more than Barbie. But I think Barbie is a good watch. Um, I think it's good for all, for, for all, again, it's PG 13. So if I was 12 or 11, or if I had a kid that was 12, 11, 10, I wouldn't take my kid, right? There is some suggestive stuff, right? And that's why there's a rating there. Um, you know, it's not just, Hey, we're Barbie dolls and we're going to kind of hang out and have fun and make jokes. Like there is a plot and there is messaging and there is an overarching theme of the film. Um, but overall it was really good and I can see why people love it, right? I can see why it's connected with so many people. Um, people of all ages are, again, you don't get that box office number without a wide variety of audience. Women are seeing this number in droves, but again, men are still making up a good portion of the audience of all ethnicities, of all backgrounds. You don't have to be a certain ethnicity to kind of, to to identify with this film. So, uh, Barbie, it's a, it's a big win for me. um, Joe, we saw Oppenheimer mm-hmm. together. Yep. Um, I I can go first again if you like, or you can go first. Go ahead. Or that works. You want me to go first? Just keep going, buddy. You're on okay. the roll here. Uh, I feel Okay, no problem. Um, Oppenheimer. Um, Christopher Nolan. Um, I absolutely loved it. Um, it was a three-hour film. I was on the edge of my seat a lot of the time. Um, Christopher Nolan, as a filmmaker, um, I would say this is the most mature film he's ever made. Um, he, as a filmmaker, he has grown. He has kind of dipped into different genres, right? Again, I don't want to say comic book movie is a genre, but sci-fi, action, adventure, right? Kind of a lot of these things he's done and he's kind of elevated that craft, I think, to a certain extent, right? It's, gonna, it's It would be hard for anybody to kind of top what he's done in that genre, right? He's just elevated it so much that, You know, you're you're going to have a lot of people, including myself, you'll never have a better comic book trilogy than The Dark Knight, right? That's a fair discussion. Um, I think this, again, Dunkirk is a war film, so it does, it is a informational, historical film, but I think this, this was to the next level. Right. This is three hours. There's there's not a lot happening in terms of like action sequences or anything. They're really it's a lot of montages of them just talking and talking and talking and learning. Right. The jump between the, you know, the forward time with Levi Strauss when it's in black and white to the perspective of Oppenheimer when it's in color. Again, I thought it was brilliant. It took me a minute to get there. But once I understood where we were, I was like, OK, that's genius. Um, it's an historical film. It's it's something that in history, yes, I knew J. Robert Oppenheimer did the created the atom bomb. I had no other context about what it did or how it came to be or anything like that. Um, the film moves at a breakneck pace. Like it feels like once it starts, we're going. Right, this is it. This is J. Robert Oppenheimer. This is the person, and we're off. This is who he meets. This is how he gets there. Blah 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 blah. This is the thing that sets him back. He meets Matt Damon, and we're good, and we're going. Um, Killian Murphy incredible um i mean just absolutely incredible um he will 100 percent get an oscar nomination if not an oscar win for this film um i so good um so so good the cast is absolutely huge right there are so many people in the cast again i don't want to bring a press tour like i'm talking about like we're arguing because we are not but again on the press tour there are so many people that talked about hey i want to do this film even if i got paid less or do more because i want to work with nolan Right, so Robert Downey Jr. talked about how he has, you know, he's a, he has a $15 million upfront payday. He took $1.5 million to do this movie. Right, again, so Robert Downey Jr., not as good as Killian Murphy, but again, he doesn't have a lot of screen time. But I thought, Robert Downey Jr., so good. Right, Robert Downey Jr., known for Iron Man at this point because that's what he's done for the last 10, 11 years. But before this, Robert Downey Jr. was doing movies like Chaplin and Zodiac, and he was a great actor. Um, So to see him get back there and do do this type of work was incredible. Matt Damon, again, in and out of the film just because of how the story dictates it. But again, when he's on screen, I felt his presence. Um, Emily Blunt as the wife, not a lot to do a lot of the time, right? She's kind of relegated to the housewife role, which is probably what happened in real life. And I can see why that would frustrate her. I can see why she is bitter to a certain extent, right? The way she, the way Oppenheimer and her meet, she's kind of engaged to someone, right? She's already been married. Like, so she's, you know, she's kind of a restless person to a certain extent and the way they meet and kind of all these things. But she has certain moments, especially when they're in the White House at the end and they're both older and she doesn't shake the other scientist's hand. She just kind of stares at him. I thought that was a key moment in the movie for her. Again, huge, huge cast overall. A couple other cast members that stood out. Josh Hartnett. Haven't seen him in a while. I thought he was really good in the film, again, for the little part that he was. Um, Benny Safdie does a great job um, as the scientist that kind of challenges Oppenheimer a lot. David Krumholtz, who's mostly known for the Santa Claus movies and done other stuff. He was Oppenheimer's friend. I thought he did a really good job. Right? Doesn't get... he's he's David Krumholtz is often cast in the Seth Rogen movies and He's kind of in that Friends, but he gets a chance to do a dramatic piece of work here. I thought he was really good. Um, Florence Pugh, not on screen a lot. right? She's she's not in the movie a lot, but when she's on screen, again, her character, what happens to her character, the impact of her relationship with Oppenheimer, I think is important. I think it, it leads throughout the film. Um, so I thought she was good in the limited time she had. Um, for me, it's the best film of the year. It's the best movie I've seen all year. Um, yeah, I, I was just blown away. I thought it was an incredible achievement in filmmaking. Um, and again, for a director like Christopher Nolan to continue to push the bar of, of the different types of films he can make, the different stories he can tell, he's not just a one-trick pony in terms of we're going to do mystery and sci-fi and do twists and kind of rely on that. I think it really was just... This is a master filmmaker at work, right? And and
1: I, I was blown away. So...
0: That's my review of, of Oppenheimer.
1: Yeah, um, I enjoyed it. Um, I wouldn't say that I I wasn't. I was certainly in awe, as you mentioned, of the filmmaker that is Christopher Nolan. Like it, while I can't eloquently put it the same way you did, I appreciate his filmmaking. I did appreciate the fact that it kind of flashed back and forth between present and past, and that it was in black and white in the past. Or, you know, that was... He's, he had done something similar, maybe not with the color scheme, but that was definitely reminiscent of, of a Nolan-type storytelling, where it flashes back between present and past. Um, Memento, obviously, being one. And uh, he also did it, I think, in... Uh, there was another movie. I can't think of it. I mean, he plays with the concept but of time a yeah, lot, like Dunkirk. He, and he, yeah, like with Dunkirk. Sorry, yeah. Dunkirk is the other one. Yeah, where it kind of, like, flashes back. I mean, it wasn't, yeah. But it's definitely a brilliant way to tell this story between the contrast between the black and white and the color, and uh, past and present. Um, yeah, I yeah I agree about the cast. It did have a lot of people on the cast whether, and and this is spoiler free. Yeah, spoiler Um, free. So yeah, there's a huge cast when it's kind of in this conference room. Um, There's a huge cast of scientists. Some of them have familiar faces. Um, Like I said, when they're in this conference boardroom of sorts, I don't want to say anything other than that. But there's definitely some familiar faces there. Um, Some people, a person from Mad Men, there's the guy who was in Planet of the Apes. Yep. I forget that guy's name. Uh, he was in... Yeah. Don't, I, I don't know if you remember who I'm talking about, but anyway, he was also in Public Enemies. Um, yeah, there was the guy from Stranger Things. The He was one of the scientists. Oh, uh, Matthew Modine. Or, or a politician yeah. of some kind. Um, yeah, they had a lot of people. And I did recognize that guy from the Santa Claus. It took me a minute, but I recognized yeah. his voice, because yeah. he looks older now, obviously. Yeah, sure. obviously. Um but he was he was good, yeah. And I now I recognize him. I was like, huh. Ten things I hate about you guy, yeah. uh, numbers guy. Um, uh, I would I, I totally agree with you about Killian Murphy. This was it was great um, to see him be in a, a such a powerful role um, for this film. Um, obviously, I had seen him be kind of uh, you know supporting roles, whether it was as Scarecrow in The Dark Knight or, you know, in, in Dunkirk as kind of a side character. Um, it was great to see him have legs, and he totally shined. I agree. And I wouldn't be surprised if he does get nominated. I don't know if he will win, but um, that was really, really cool. Um, I would say, yeah, I mean, in terms of the acting, the acting was great. I mean, Josh Hartnett was fine. I thought Matt Damon was fine. They didn't do either of neither of those did anything to kind of wow me. Right. Um, yeah, it was nice to see Josh Hartnett back. Although he was in another film somewhat recently, I could be wrong that I didn't see. Oh, I, thought, maybe, yeah. I, I thought he was in another film, but anyway. Um, yeah, I hadn't seen him on screen in a while. Um, Emily Blunt, yeah, not given a lot. Um, I, in terms of this, so in terms of the acting, the acting was really good. Um, in terms of the story, about R.D.J. Just RDJ, about. Was RG, okay. R.D.J. was good. R.D.J. was good. He was good. Uh, yeah. I don't know that he. He certainly picks up. He has a lot more screen time later in the film. So, sure. you know, again, spoiler free. He has a lot more screen time later, and then you kind of see him really kind of be great in his acting role. Yeah. Um. You don't really see a ton of him. Until about midway through the film, uh, yeah, the acting was great all around. Um, okay. I mean, Hartnett and Damon were okay. Right. Um, I will say, in terms of the plot, um, and this is something that I mentioned too. Uh, we kind of talked about after the movie. It's a three. Uh, it's over three hours. Um, I would say that it doesn't necessarily feel like three hours because, um, as I mentioned to you, there's like a thundering like music or sound effects that are going on during moments in the film where it kind of makes you awake. It keeps you awake. Yeah. Because it's 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 trying to set the tone for what is happening. Like you're kind of feeling what it feels to be inside Oppenheimer's head per se. Um, you know, obviously the end you can see the whole bomb thing happening and all that's really, really cool. Um but I would say that at times it got really, really loud, especially yeah. like in the first like thirty seconds of the film. Yeah. Um again we were in IMAX, so it's definitely a lot more deafening or it's for effect. Um yeah, it didn't feel like a three hour film, um, but it was definitely a drama. Um I, 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 I concur with everything you said. This was not an action film at all. Whereas you know, even in Dunkirk, there's some scenes where they got planes flying yeah. overhead. Not that there was nothing to do with action here, but it was it's certainly been a lot less. Um, this was not a tenant film. This was not Inception. This was not any sort of film where there was any kind of special practical special effects. Dark Knight, yeah, anything like that. This was more of a yeah a historical, a historical drama slash biopic of Oppenheimer particularly around the time post, you know, towards the end of World War II when he kind of gets brought in to, to, you know, run the Manhattan Project. Um, so you kind of see a little bit about his, about him growing up, not a ton, mm-hmm. but it really kind of gives you just like a whatever, like a six-month snippet. Of, and then, again, of course it flashes forward to kind of the quote-unquote mm-hmm. present but it's mainly centered around towards the tail end of World War II. Um, in terms of like the theme, I, there were times where I was kind of, I wouldn't say I was bored. Cause that's too strong of a word. But there were times where I was kind of questioning why we were knowing so much about his love interests. Okay. Um, I didn't really understand what the point of that was. I was tr- I'm still trying to wrap my head as to why Nolan thought that was so important to focus a big, huge portion of it on his love interests. Yeah. Um, I could understand, um, the political, the politics involved with, with Oppenheimer that made total sense, but I was really confused as to why like this guy was a womanizer or whatever, or he appeared to be a womanizer. Like he doesn't come off as a womanizer. So I was, that seemed a little confusing to me. um, you know, yeah. But other than that, I mean, yeah, it, I wouldn't say it has a quote unquote twist ending, but it certainly keeps you as much to the edge of his seat as a drama can. Um, and again, as you said, because there's long dialogues, um, or, you know, extended dialogue, but the, the, the thundering music comes into play to keep you engaged. Um, when it's not like them testing the bomb. So, um, I, I recommend it. Um, I, I may need to watch it again um, to maybe kind of see if I can pick up on some things here and there. Um, I wouldn't say that I thought it was amazing or the best movie I've ever seen. I mean, I haven't seen many movies this, this year that are new. Um, I don't know that it would be number one. It would probably be in the top ten just because of the quality of the movie. But it's hard for me to, I, like I said, I'm not, I'm not as mesmerized or blown away as you are um, at after seeing it for the first time. Um, but it is very, very good. Um, typical Christopher Nolan style and quality. Um, everything about it is is good, and, and great even. Uh, but I wasn't blown away by it. Um, but again, I, I might have to rewatch it. But uh-huh. I would definitely recommend it. Okay. Um, have you seen 10 movies this year? 10 total movies? I'd have to think about it. Yeah. Sorry. No, I'd, that's okay. I'd, 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 I In terms of, are you talking, I assume you mean movies that have come out this year. Yeah. I, yeah. But we could probably include streaming movies on yeah. that, as long as they're new. Yeah. I'd have to think about it, because I don't, yeah. So, and it's hard to keep track of the movies that I've seen. Right that are on streaming, per se, like, whatever Apple TV movie came out. Not that I have Apple TV, just as an idea. Like, airs, obviously, on Netflix. you or know, Amazon, right? Or Amazon. Not that I've seen it, but I'm saying, like, that's a movie yeah. that wasn't released in the theater, so it's...
0: It was released in theaters. I saw it in theaters. Sorry, it was released in theaters. Yeah. But there are anyway, other movies anyway, that go straight Anyway, 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 yes. anyway,
1: yeah. So um, we got a
0: question that, what are the Oscar chances for both Barbie and Oppenheimer? I think they're both great. Um, again, I... I I, we have seen Oscar season is typically later films, right September through no, December, but we have seen films in recent years kind of stick around all year. You don't have to look much further than last year. Everything everywhere all at once was a spring release uh, because of the uniqueness of the film because the way they connected, the originality, the reviews, all that stuff it just stuck around all year and then it ended up sweeping the awards. Again, there's lots and lots of films potentially coming out this year, right? Awards contenders are everything from Joker two, to Napoleon, Flowers, The Killer Moon, right? There's a, there's a whole slew of potential award films that we just haven't seen yet, uh, Dune two, right? All these things. Um, but I think these two films they're going to get a big um, they're going to get a big budget to promote their films in terms of of Oscar releases, right? Again, you basically have to campaign for Oscar nominations and stuff like that. Um, Barbie, I think, could get everything, you know, best picture, best writing, for sure. I think that's a lot. I think writing and Ryan Gosling are locks, right? Again, original screenplay. I think th- those are locks. Um, unless it falls into the adapted category, I don't know. Um, production design, I think, again, it was is an easy choice for them. Costume design, I think, is an easy choice for them. Um But I could see, again, Margot Robbie being the producer. I could see her getting something as well. Um, Oppenheimer, again, you know, not visual effects, but, you know, production design. Again, they basically built this new city just like they did in real life, kind of from the ground up. So, again, the detail to production design, the detail of the atomic bomb, um, kind of all these things. Again, I think Killian Murphy. Killian Murphy and, and RDJ are really the only actors that I see getting nominations. Are, and again, Joe's correct in the... Matt Damon and Emily Blunt would be the other closest ones, I think. And they're both good in the movie, but I don't think they're in it as much as the other two to have so much of an impact. But I think Killian Murphy, I think, is a lock for it. Um, and yeah, I mean, I just... I uh, Again, this weekend is is really a historic weekend for, for studio films and for these two studios in particular. Um, so again, I, I think but Oscar voters will remember that when the time comes, right? That this was a big, big weekend for movie theaters and, and all that stuff. And a a real, really culturally significant weekend, um, for, for for cinema. So, um, Joe, let's, let's just skip to the next one, uh, and do a little game. Okay. Um, so I thought we'd have fun. Joe's been asking to do a game again for a little while. I thought we'd do something fun. Um, Christopher Nolan has had twelve. With the release of Oppenheimer, has had twelve films come out. Mm-hmm. Is it safe to say he's still your favorite director? Or are we waffling on that? I don't want to speak for you.
1: Uh, you mean of all time?
0: Sure, we'll go all time
1: because he wasn't my favorite director of all time. all, Steven Spielberg. Steven Spielberg's your favorite director of all time? I would say current directors. Yeah, and then Denis Villeneuve will be a very distant second. Distant second. Okay. Um, so what I thought Just because of do. sheer number of films, right? Although the ones he has done, I think have been very, very good. Um, but he would be number
0: two. Yes. So twelve films um, that he has done. Uh, what I've done is I've gone on Rotten Tomatoes and I've gotten the aggregate score. So it's the average of the audience score and the critic score, and that's how you get the score. Um, so Joe's gonna put these films in this ranking, and then we're gonna see how he does. Again, this is not Joe's perspective of how he sees the films, right? This is how he thinks general audiences and general critics uh, view the film. The lowest film he has in terms of a percentage point is 68, and the highest is 94. So he has nothing rotten on his resume. It's all positive tomatoes uh, so far. Um, there is one film that Joe has not seen, um, which is Following. Following. That film, Joe, was at 72%. So mm-hmm. it was one of his lower films. It was mm-hmm. his first film. Mm-hmm. So we're going to take that off the board because I think that you are correct. That would be unfair for you um, to do it. So let's start at the bottom, and let's just guess what you thought
1: the 68% film was. So we're going to do it by that. We're not going to do it by the film and say percentage. We're going to go by the percentages. That's what you want
0: to do. Yeah, if that's okay. Can you okay, read it that that's way? Fine. That's okay. fine. Okay. So we'll just go from bottom to top. And then I'll... Percentage-wise. Yeah, percentage-wise. Okay. And then so, I'll
1: go after and kind of do what it was. Okay. So 68% for me, looking at the list of films, I have to say this one probably would be the worst in terms of critic, whatever, the Rotten Tomatoes score aggregate. I'm going to say it's got to be this movie. No, I can't think of a... It's good, but it's not. Certainly now we're nearly peak on Insomnia. So I'm saying Insomnia at 68. The next percent, let me know when you're ready. Yeah, so
0: 73%,
1: right? 73% is the next one. Again, trying to think about uh, movies that were quote-unquote well-received or whatnot. Um, The next one I'm going to say at 73 is Tenet. Okay, 76%. 76 for me I'm going to say is Interstellar. And then we have, now we're in the 80s, is that correct? Yeah, 84, 84, I'm going to say The Dark Knight Rises. And then we're at 87%. 87, there's two of them. I'm going to go with The Prestige and Inception. Okay,
0: and then we're at 92, There's there's two
1: 92s. I'm going to go with Memento and Batman Begins. Okay. There's two 93s. I'm going to go with Gunkirk and The Dark Knight. And I could be wrong on this and that's fine. I I mean I didn't think it was the most amazing movie ever, but out of all his movies, I'm sure that it's getting very, very high good reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. I we'll we'll see. I'll be surprised. Uh, Oppenheimer is the last one, 94. I'm gonna put that at 94. Kay. Just because I think it's early. Yeah. And I think that over time these things kinda average out and melt not mellow out. Yeah. But I think that at the beginning you can find movies that get super high. Just because not everybody has seen it yet. Yeah. So I'm going to go with the only reviews that have been given it were good reviews. Okay. Alright, All right, so
0: Joe, are you ready? Yep. For 68%, you said Insomnia. Mm-hmm. His lowest rated film is actually Tenet. That's 68%. So I was close though. You were close. Okay. So for 73%, you said Tenet. Tenet. It was Interstellar. Again, okay, so
1: close. So I'm on. I'm in the. Yes. I'm I'm thinking about the movies along the lines. I just didn't get the numbers right. Okay, so we have. Okay, so So it goes. It goes. Tenant. Interstellar. Interstellar. Tenant
0: following Interstellar. Right. Yes, the tenant Interstellar. Tenant is is sixty-eight. Yes.
1: Interstellar seventy-three. Seventy-six
0: is seventy-six. You said Interstellar. It is
1: actually Prestige. Seventy-six. Okay. Surprising, that, that surprises me. Jump up to eighty-four. 84 okay. You said the Dark Knight Rises. It was actually Batman Begins. So Batman Begins is okay. They actually rank the Dark Knight Rises higher than Batman Begins. Okay, audiences and critics. Yeah, all right, sure.
0: For eighty-seven percent, you said Prestige. It was actually Inception.
1: Well, it's oh, it's two Inception. So you were
0: right. Yeah. yeah. So you said Prestige and Inception. Yes. Inception was correct. Yeah, what's the one of them. Dark Knight Rises was eighty seven
1: percent. Okay, so close. Yeah. So ninety. I was way off in insomnia then. Ninety two percent. Really? There's a ninety two percent for insomnia, or it's in the nineties. That's crazy. Yeah. So ninety two percent. That's crazy. You said Memento and Batman 90s. Begins. That was, was Batman Begins is wrong. It was Dunkirk and insomnia. I cannot believe insomnia. I mean, it's good, but it's not that good. So ninety three percent. You had both The Dark Knight and Dunkirk. And so Dunkirk. I was
0: close with Dunkirk. So 93% is Memento okay. and Oppenheimer. Oh, At the, D- 94% the Dark Knight's got to be Dark the Dark Dark Knight's Knight. the number one movie okay. that he has ranked. Okay. 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 So I thought that was a fun little game. Dunkirk. Yeah, it was. Um, we did have a, a ranking, a Matt Damon ranking. I think I want to give it a little bit of time and do a full top ten because I think that's actually a great list. Okay. Uh, ranking so we can hold on to that unless you want to rush through nope, that's okay because um, we do have uh, to get through some theme park stuff which we mm-hmm. normally don't have a lot of Yep. but we did have a question and I wanted to get to this question
1: yeah it's a good question um,
0: we are going to Disneyland for the first time in over 10 years and I've wanted to go badly ever since we started listening to this pod I'm glad we got you guys encouraged to go since it has been a while do you guys have an opening strategy on where to start in both parks To maximize time. This actually comes from Emily. I didn't write that down. But Emily, thank you for your question. I don't know where you're from. Um, But let us know how your Disney trip goes. Um, I do have some news for myself. I will be in Disneyland and Universal Studios in October. So I will be able to check out Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway in Disneyland. And I will check out um, Super Mario Land and Universal Studios. And I'll be able to give that um, as news for you guys. Joe, I think this is a really good question. Mm-hmm. Um, let's start in Disneyland. If you had to go and pick an aisle first or pick a lane first, pick a land first, where would you go first to maximize time? What's your opening strategy?
1: Well, I would say my opening strategy was your opening strategy. So I wouldn't. <laughs> I mean, what I would do is not necessarily to maximize time. So maximizing time is not, may not coincide with what is it that you want to do first. Okay, do you know what, what so, you would... n- but that No, I'm saying... Yes, I understand I'm they're trying different. To, yeah. I'm trying to focus on the question, which is, what is it... Where do you need to go to maximize time? So if we're going to start with Disneyland, you have to go to the Fantasyland rides because there's no fast passes for those. Again, there's no more fast passes anyway, so you probably need to get the Genie, so that would be number one. But again, only Mac has used that, so you have to remind me of the levels. But I think you have to pay. Is it like ten dollars a person? It's like fifty dollars a person for the base model of the Genie for the Lightning Lane. Yeah, fifty dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Holy crap! I thought it was like fifteen. No, just to get you have to pay for your ticket, and then
0: Lightning Lane Edition is fifty dollars. And that's the base one. I thought there was different levels. No, there's only one level. You and then for certain rides, you have to pay per ride.
1: Yes, there's no Lightning Lane for, let's say, Rise of the Resistance.
0: That's the That's that. You have to pay. Yes, yes that that's what. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yes. Okay. So, but it's fifty dollars. Okay. Well, uh, that's expensive. Um. Yes, uh, again, I have I haven't gone in a while. Um, I would say opening strategy for Disneyland is to go to the VIP the Fantasyland rides um again there's different details you have to think about for instance are you going for two day trip four day trip whatever if you're trying to go let's say hypothetically it's one day you really kind of have to pick a land um, and know that you're probably not going to get on some rides you're not going to be able to ride some of the rides on the opposite land um it's just by sheer time so two days is probably better. That way you can spend one day in each park. Um, Disneyland, you're going to Fantasyland Rides, for instance. You need to go to Peter Pan first, just in terms of that, to beat the line. Um, yeah, Peter Pan first. That would be primary. All the other Fantasyland Rides, you can. There's a, There will be a little, little bit of a wait, but the Peter Pan one. Alice in Wonderland would be the next one. Those two are usually the longest lines. Um In terms of maximizing your time, so again, you would get the Genie Plus and you would immediately reserve uh, a ride. Uh, I want to say it's either Space Mountain or Indiana Jones the minute you can. So, right, the Lightning works the same as the Fast Pass, yes?
0: No. Um, So with the Lightning Lane Genie Pass, you can only use it for one ride at one time. So you probably wouldn't want to blow a genie pass like right away, right? I mean, if the wait's under half an hour, don't don't waste a genie pass. Then yeah, chime in. Uh, So Joe's one hundred percent right. Isn't isn't that what? Well, good. Isn't that the way it was before? So before you could get like unlimited fast passes for any ride. Okay. So before I would walk in, and once the park opened, I would get a fast pass for. Space Mountain in fifteen minutes. Right, even though the wait was only twenty minutes, I'd yes. get a fast pass yes. right away. and so you're saying you can't. You can do that now, but but I would try and hold on to get it when it's later, when it's busy, so that way it can my my lightning lanes add up. Right. I, I if I if I want to go on putting, if I want to go on Space Mountain later. Yes. Right. I won't be able to get a lightning lane. Later for that because I've already used it at eight o'clock when the line was only fifteen to twenty minutes. So you
1: can only use it for, for the for, for a specific for ride, a ride one time. One time during the day. Right.
0: Indiana Jones, I can only use it one time. Honda Mansion, I can only use it one time. Right. I mean, Space Mountain, I can only use it one time.
1: But that, I don't think that would really matter unless you want to ride it more than one time.
0: Right. So it, yes, you're probably right. So if if you don't want to ride it, if you only want to ride it one time. Then, yes, you can get a Lightning Lane pass right away. Um, I think if you're going to do Fantasyland, the only ride you need to really ride is Peter Pan right away. As Joe mentioned, you can... Everything else, Snow White, Mr. Toad... um, Alice in Wonderland is long. Yeah, I mean, all of those... None of those are going to go past 20 to 25 minutes. Alice in Wonderland does. Teacups... um, That's not what I'm talking about. I know, but I'm just, teacups, it's not going to be more than 15 to 20 minutes, right? You're probably not going to ride Dumbo unless you're with a little kid. Um, So the way I used to do it, I used to go to Tomorrowland first, because I would walk on Star Tours, and then I'd get like a lightning lane right away for like Space Mountain, and then I could do Finding Nemo and Buzz Lightyear, and I'd be done in Tomorrowland in like a half an hour. Um, And then I could just go to Matterhorn, because it's right there, and then I would just work my way across the park that way. Um, now with Galaxy's Edge, it's a little different. Um, I think I, w- I would, if I can, if you can, again, not everyone can, if you can get the lightning lane and yes, you have to pay extra for Rise of the Resistance. You can basically, you know, kind of get, just keep an eye on the lightning lane times for Rise of the Resistance. And then you just want to time it out to where you can get a lightning lane pass from Millennium Falcon. So that way you can kind of go at the same time to Galaxy's Edge. You can do that. When I'm going in October, my strategy will be different. My strategy will be, um, instead of going right to Tomorrowland, I'm going to make a beeline to the left for Haunted Mansion because during September, October, November, December, Haunted Mansion all of a sudden becomes a much more popular ride with The Nightmare Before Christmas. So when I am there in the fall, I will walk on to Haunted Mansion as my first ride. Again, because for me personally... That's the ride I want to go on the most. So I don't have to use a lightning lane right away on Haunted Mansion. I could just walk onto it right away. While I'm there, maybe I backtrack and go to Indiana Jones if I want Pirates of the Caribbean because I'm already there kind of in that row. Um, I haven't been on Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway yet. So that's a different um, type of experience. That ride is just like Rise of the Resistance. It's the extra lightning lane cost. So if you want to use Lightning Lane for that, you will have to pay. Um, I've been trying to keep an eye on wait times and stuff like that. Again, Rise of the Resistance and Mickey Minis runner railway are, are usually over an hour. Right now, everything else is kind of you know the 25 to 45 minute type of a range, right? It's not crazy. Um, there's someone that I trust that that runs a, a different YouTube channel for Disney. If the if the wait time is under a half an hour, just get in that line. Because right? even when you have Lightning Lane, you're still going to have to wait in the queue to a certain extent. It's still going to take you 15, 10, 15 minutes to get on. Usually, not all the time, right? but the Lightning Lane only cuts you up so much to get to the front. Um, if you're in Disney, California, my suggestion will always be go to Radiator Springs Racers first. Right, I think that is still the most popular ride, even with Avengers Campus. I don't think Spider-Man... The shoot 'em ride is, I think, enjoy it. It's not as popular as um, as Radiator Springs Racers. I think Super Radiator Springs Racers is still the most popular ride. Um, and then maybe get a lightning lane for Guardians of the Galaxy because that will be the second most popular ride um, there. But I know people that have gone, um, they've immediately walked on to Pixar Pier and they rode in Critter Coaster three times in a row. They just got off and on, off and on because that's the ride they love. That's what they want to do. Incredicoaster will get a little bit longer as the day goes. But if you go right away in the morning and Incredicoaster is something you want to do, you can ride Incredicoaster for about an hour or so. You're basically just walking on, right? Toy Story, Midway Mania. Kind of once that initial rush is over, once that second crowd comes in that kind of slept in or they maybe had character breakfast or something, um, that's when they'll kind of spread out and go from there. Um, But again, I think part of it is based on the time. How much time you have, Joe's correct on how many days you have. If you are willing and able to get the genie plus the lightning lane, I think that's a huge factor in your decisions. And and otherwise, really, I, I don't think you can go that wrong. Um, part of it is, too, a lot of people will go. A lot of people make it a point to get a character breakfast or a character lunch or a character meal. So, again, or they, they want to go to a specific restaurant. A lot of people want to go to the Blue Bayou. So a lot of that is dependent on when you can get a reservation and stuff like that. So a lot of it is just, are you okay just getting little snacks here or there throughout the day, going to downtown Disney whenever, right? Then that's going to give you more freedom. If you're locked into a reservation time, if you're locked into a show time or a parade time, or if there's a character meet and greet that you want to meet that's only available for a half an hour, all of those are going to affect your decision. So again, as far as rides go, just pick the one ride that you know you want to go on multiple times, once or twice, and then just start there first. For a lot of people, it's Space Mountain. For a lot of people, it's going to be Galaxy's Edge. If you want to be one of those people that walks straight to Galaxy's Edge right away, do it. Right? Try and get on Rise of the Resistance twice. That's awesome. If you want to get on Peter Pan, if you want to do it, because after Joe's 100% right. And if you don't get on Peter Pan right away, you're waiting 45 minutes to an hour all day just for Peter Pan right that line will not there's no break in the peter pan line so if writing peter pan writing those fantasy land rides if you have little kids it's that important to you do it right away mm-hmm. or you could do the opposite and walk into Fantasyland ride and ride every other ride just walk on and just skip peter pan yeah so do it however you guys like but i'm interested to hear um you know a lot of you guys have been to disneyland a lot of you guys are listening because of your love for disneyland or theme parks because um, we talk about it so you know if you guys if you guys have any suggestions let us know I'm more than happy to share that um, with you guys as well and as far as Universal goes I would have always said just go to um, uh, Harry Potter Land. right because that's you go first but now with um, Super Mario land I don't know I haven't done it yet with Super Mario land so I'll have to keep you guys updated with that. Joe, there's some exciting news in theme park, land. Yep. There is a new $2 billion theme park and resort as big as Disney's Magic Kingdom, which is in Florida. It's coming to Oklahoma. Um, Part of the pedigree of this park is they have 20 former Disney Imagineers that are working on this park. It's not going to be themed to any IP. The IP is America, Mm -hmm. Joe, so it's going to be everything from like a wildlife section to a yeah. historical section and nice. um, they're going to have roller coasters, they're going to have water rides. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a big big thing. Again, there are theme parks in the Midwest, right? But this looks to try and take it to like a new level, right? People think of theme parks, they think of Florida or California. Yeah. This could potentially be a game changer, right? I mean, but it sounds pretty cool though. If yeah. You're, if you're a fan of coasters yeah, and stuff I mean, like that. I mean,
1: there's <clears throat> just some artwork now, it's obviously in these infancy stages of development, but yeah, I I forget what the title of it was, it was, yeah, it had it had the word, it had the word America in the title, yeah Um, and yeah kind of, I mean, I've never been to Oklahoma, so I don't I couldn't tell you, but anything about it, but I think the article that we read about this Theme parks mentioned something that this could be a staple for this. This could be a staple for the state, uh, well, meaning spending two billion dollars. It yeah, needs to be a staple. Yeah, so it's
0: yeah. Uh, it's a way to draw tourism. Yeah, it's a way it, to draw people in. I and, didn't
1: know that it, it didn't have anything to do. I mean, yes, it's... not it's. Has so, nothing to do with Disney. Nothing to do with Disney. This is nope. just a
0: theme this is just a bunch of investors. Okay, they got with the state of Oklahoma. Okay, and they're gonna build this. That sounds kind of Disney has Disney Imagineers former Disney Imagineers. But this
1: is not in any way tied to Disney. Okay. No. So the Imagineers former Imagineers are going
0: to help create it.
1: interesting.
0: Right. Okay. So they have pedigree in terms of creating lands yes. and yes. rides and stuff. Yes. But interesting. It, it's not a Disney theme park at all.
1: Interesting. Okay, that okay, I understand now. The reference is as big as Disney's Magic Kingdom. Okay, got it. But yeah, it's it. not no okay. no
0: Disney thing. Interesting. So it could be interesting again um I'm not going to pretend like I'm an expert in Oklahoma theme parks. Yeah, me neither. But there, I know that there are plenty of, of, of exciting and big and, you know, well-traveled theme parks throughout the entire United States, mm-hmm. certainly in the Midwest. Yeah. Um, but, again, this looks to to speak to, to people. And if people are excited and they want to go, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, and, again, if you're the state of Oklahoma, right, again – just like all states, you're looking for tourism dollars. You're looking to bring people that in. That was what it said. Yeah, for, I was talking you know, about, yeah, it would help with the tourism. Yeah, you just got yeah, yeah, to get people in to pay taxes and yeah. spend money on hotels and yeah. businesses and restaurants. And, and that's that's the idea, right? I mean, that's why yep. you know, Florida is so big on tourism because that's where they get so much of their tax dollars. Right? Kind of all those things. Um, DreamWorks Land is coming to Universal Orlando. Um, again, this is going to be an entire... New land in Universal, Orlando. Um, If you know the layout of Universal, Orlando, um, it is um, just in the regular park, the Hollywood Park, not on Islands of Adventure. Um, It's going to be where the E.T. ride, it's going to be behind the E.T. ride. I assume that means the E.T. ride staying, but I don't know that for sure, Mm. Um, which would be sad if it left because obviously it's no longer in California, but it's still there in Florida. That's cool. Um, the DreamWorks land is going to feature Shrek, everything trolls, from Shrek, Trolls, Kung Fu, Kung Panda. Fu Panda, Madagascar. Yep. Um, this is a kind of a double down on animation. For them, right, Illumination. Um, they also own Illumination and DreamWorks Animation. Mm-hmm. So Illumination, obviously, is Super Mario World.
1: Where they're Or uh, Despicable uh, Me. Despicable Me, yeah. Yeah,
0: so again, in, in Orlando, they have a whole land. Mm-hmm. For Despicable Me, not mm-hmm. just the one ride. There was multiple rides nice. for Despicable Me. And then, of course, Super Mario World, which is an Illumination movie. Yep. Um, they're kind of doubling down on that. So, again, um, the idea of, of trying to get more kids' parks, um, kids' rides, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one of the, I don't want to say complaints about Universal Studios. But the Universal Studios is a little more adult than, say, like Disney, Magic Kingdom. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Disney is, is more... They want to say that every again, not every ride is for everyone. But Disney's thing is every ride anyone can ride. Yeah. Um, Universal has more roller coasters and more things like that, which not yeah. everyone can ride. So yeah. the idea yeah. of bringing in more kids and more families yeah. to the park—that's the idea that they want. They you know bringing kids because mm-hmm. um, then again the parents you know they're buying four or five tickets, or right? yeah. It's just yeah. all these things. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that's all the time we have for today. Just to tease on next week's episode, we're going to look forward to August. Again, right now, there are films scheduled to be released. There are TV shows that are scheduled to be released, streaming shows that are scheduled to be released. We will update you guys if there's any other um, delays in films, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we also are going to rank Matt Damon's top ten films. Again, we wanted to do it. I think we both did it this week um, in terms of having it ready. But because I wanted to get to the other stuff, I wanted to get to the game. I wanted yeah, to yeah, give yeah. this top ten the proper time it needed because I think it's an interesting top ten.
1: Yeah, I was going sure.
0: down his filmography, and mm-hmm. it was like, yeah, I didn't don't remember all the movies that yeah. he did, but he's been around for a long yeah, time. Yeah, so I want to give 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 that the proper time, mm-hmm. um, so we're not just rushing through it um, as well. Um, if you if any of you guys saw Barbie or Oppenheimer this week, please let us know your thoughts. I'd be interested to see uh, maybe if I could set up a poll um, to see how many people went to see one versus the other, if they saw both. Interested to see what our audience um, is watching. Um, But, yeah, I think that's all we have. As always, please like, share, comment, rate, review, and subscribe. You guys are amazing. And I will talk to you next week, and Joe's going to take us out of here. All right, take care, everyone.